Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning comes from our Old Testament lesson found in Isaiah chapter 35. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. You may be seated. Before I begin, I'd like to take just a half a second to let you guys know how exciting it is for me to be the tallest person in the room for a change. (laughs) And to be here this morning with you at St. Lawrence. It's an honor to be preaching in front of you, and I'm very excited as we begin this year. Anyway, back when I first started driving, I had this absolutely gorgeous, bright yellow Ford Focus. I loved this car. It was small, it was great on gas, and as you might be able to tell, it was extremely easy to find in the parking lot. However, after a few years, it got to a point where it seemed like the car didn't love me back. I remember there was a period when I was driving where I got three flat tires in six months, and then another one shortly after that. Granted, one of them was my fault, but only one. There were problems with the coolant and overheating. The air conditioning didn't work, so in the summer I was overheating. Only one of the wiper blades worked on a good day. And really, every single time I took a trip in this car, I was sitting there thinking, please keep going, please keep going. It usually did. But needless to say, by the time my wife and I got married, we decided it was time for an upgrade. So we started shopping. I looked online at dealers for months. Nothing we could find in our price range had less than 100,000 miles on it. Finally, I found a couple that I thought were good to look at. And not even a day before we got to go take a look, every single one of those cars had sold. To me, it just seemed like the world really didn't want us getting a new car. Now, I realize all of this could sound just like some random story I'm sharing with you so that we can be good friends, but as I was reading through our Old Testament lessons, our text for this week, this text reminded me of that story. See, the Israelites in Isaiah's time may have felt a similar way. Now, granted, I'll give you that Isaiah's problems, Israel's problems, were were a little bit greater than needing a new car. But just like the world didn't want us getting a new car, just like it seemed like the world was against me, for Israel, the rest of the world was quite literally against them. See, God, through Isaiah, had repeatedly told Israel how they were a stubborn people, how they were evil, how they had done wrong in God's sight, how they were going to be destroyed. As a couple of examples, in Isaiah chapter 1, God calls Israel a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. In chapter 30, Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord. And there's plenty more examples in the book, and I highly encourage you to check it out sometime. But back to the car story. I was car shopping down in Sterling Heights one day, almost exactly a year ago, actually, and one dealership showed me this lovely 2006 Chevy Equinox. It had less than 40,000 miles on it for its age, which is wonderful, And it was almost $3,000 over our budget. I remember thinking to myself, wow, this thing's perfect, and it's so expensive. 
Our text for today speaks a little bit to those kind of feelings. In Isaiah 34, he writes, Be strong, fear not. Exciting part, we found a new car or a potential car. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. Oh, this is bad. The car's too expensive. But hearing these words, not the car ones, but the Bible ones, I want you to picture yourself as an Israelite back in Bible times who is hearing these words for the very first time. Hearing these words as Isaiah had already said that you are sinful, you are stubborn, you are evil. What would your reaction have been? In my mind, it's probably something like this. Oh, great, Isaiah, what did we do this time? What's going to go wrong now? We've heard this all before. It doesn't end well for us usually. And Isaiah, what's with this fear not nonsense? You said God's coming with his vengeance. With, with violence, he's looking for revenge, and we're supposed to not be afraid of that? We've heard it before, and we're in trouble again. I know it's, I know it's coming. And I don't think that's too far out for them to think that. God and his vengeance was shown in the Old Testament quite a few times. I'm sure you've heard of the story of the ten plagues. Perhaps you remember how God wiped out Egypt's army in the Red Sea. God in his vengeance is not something or someone that you want to be on the wrong end of. But regardless, I found this Equinox, and even though it was out of my price range, the saleswoman encouraged me to test drive it anyway. So I did. And it was as great as I expected it to be. I loved it. It was everything we were looking for a car, but that still didn't change the fact that it was $3,000 too expensive. So as I got back to the dealer lot, she asked me a question. She said, what price would it take for you to drive this car home today? So thinking she was absolutely crazy, I told her our number, which was significantly lower than the asking price. And she responds, all right, let me go talk to my manager. We'll make this work for you. We got the car. I couldn't believe it. It was wonderful news. It was perfect. It was everything we were looking for, and it was going to be ours. And this was awesome. I'd be willing to bet that you guys can think of a similar situation or scenario that happened to you in your life. But in a second, I think you'll agree with me when I say that Isaiah's news to the Israelites was much, much more exciting. See, they heard that God was coming with vengeance, with the recompense of God, with terrifying fear. But that wasn't all Isaiah said. There were six little words that came next, and six very, very important words to the Israelites and for our text. He will come and save you. God is coming with vengeance, but that vengeance is not meant for the Israelites. That vengeance is not meant for you and I. He is coming to save us, to deliver us, to free us. That is why the Israelites, along with us today, were told, fear not. As you may have heard a couple weeks ago at Mission Fest, President Meyer shared with us that fear not is a command that is told 366 times in Scripture, one for every day of the year and an extra for leap years, just so that you have it covered. But fear not is a wonderful assurance that even though God is coming with vengeance, you don't have to be afraid of it. In church, we first see this text fulfilled in Isaiah chapter 37, just two chapters later. 
The powerful, relentless Assyrian army was at Jerusalem's doorstep. They had invaded Judah, but God does not abandon his people. God came with vengeance to save Israel. Isaiah writes, By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then the king of Assyria departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as wonderful as this news was to the Israelites, this text speaks to us today. First and foremost, it says, Your God will come. And this in itself is wonderful news. God will come to us. In fact, God has come to us. He made himself one of us. He became man. God has come, and when he came, great things happened. Just like Isaiah prophesied, while Jesus walked on this earth, he opened the eyes of the blind. He made the lame to leap like a deer and the mute to sing for joy. In our gospel lesson for today from Mark 7, we see a direct fulfillment of this as Jesus heals a deaf mute, opening his ears and loosening his tongue so that he might hear and talk. When Jesus came, he came with vengeance. This vengeance could have, and frankly it should have been, against us, against me, against you. We who constantly, who daily rebel against God, against his word, and against everything that he wants for us. God's vengeance should have been against us, but instead it was against all of the enemies of his people. Against sin, against death, and against the power of the devil. God removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. God in his vengeance defeated death so that we who believe in him have no reason to fear it, but will have eternal life. And the devil has no hold over us. He has no power over us, as St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor any powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's vengeance came not that we should fear him, but that we might not fear because of him. John 3.17, Jesus says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. When Jesus came, he brought streams of living water, a refreshing spring, into the desert of our earthly lives. He gave us this new life through the living waters of baptism, washing us clean of our sin, of our filth, of our unworthiness. He brings water and newness and life into the barren wasteland that is our hearts. God's vengeance should have been on us, but ultimately he placed that vengeance on Jesus. Jesus, the innocent, sinless Son of God, who became sin for us, that he might bear the full load of God's vengeance so that you and I didn't have to. Because of God's vengeance, we have the victory. 
Because of God's vengeance, he says to us, be strong, fear not. I have come to save you. I have come to take you into my arms to forgive your sins that I might take you home with me someday. Now again, I know that needing a new car is absolutely nothing like the Israelites faced. The Israelites who feared death and war and exile and slavery, whereas my wife and I feared spending too much money on a car. It's not quite the same. But if God promised to take care of his people against such a powerful army like the Assyrians, don't you think he can take care of you and your problems today? When we struggle, when we face difficulty or trials, we have the promise and the hope that Jesus has given us. Of course, this doesn't mean that while we're living on this earth, we won't have any sickness or trouble or pain. Just because we're Christian doesn't mean life is magically going to get perfect. And you know that just as well as I do. We're still sinful. We still live in a fallen world. But ultimately, we know that we have the victory because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have the hope of new life to come, a new life where there will be no sickness, no pain. And so, brothers and sisters, be strong. Fear not. Your God has come. He has come with his vengeance, but because of his vengeance, you are saved. You are have the victory. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.